a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Have you heard of the term broken picker? You know, you have different dates, you try to be open, but alas, in the end, you have the same outcome. I hear this all the time. And you might blame it on the dates, the town you live in, the age you are at, but at what point do you look at yourself and say, all right, maybe there is something that I'm doing to attract that bad outcome, whatever that is, and maybe your picker is, well, off. Meaning you seem to consistently pair up with the same type of wrong person, getting really excited about the spark of attraction you feel with that person until you eventually realize that once again, you've hooked up with a narcissistic sociopath, a ghoster, an addict, a financial user, um, emotional cold fish. Oh, what else is there? (laughs) The list goes on, right? Whatever it, it is that you seem to find attractive in the beginning, but then it's not, right? And then you find that out pretty fast or sometimes not. Same guy, same gal, different costume, as I say. Worse still, you don't know why you're stuck in this self-destructive pattern or how to break free from it. Your friends can spot these losers a mile away, but for some reason, you can't. So in the initial throes of attraction, you are blind to see the obvious red flags that become so apparent when the relationship settles down a bit or as time goes by. And it's usually because you're blinded by a shiny object that makes you overlook some of those signs. And that's the drug. Okay, so it could be the good looks, the charm, the compliments, whatever it is that maybe you're craving, someone who is actually giving you attention, perhaps, or maybe you don't have a lot of experience, so it just feels real. It's whatever that powerful bullet that injects you with something that you have probably not experienced or have been lacking. So that brings me to the next point. You know, as you might guess, you're your broken picker is likely the result of previous experiences. So it could be negative experiences of the past. It could be a lack of experience or exposure to, you know, altogether new daters. I find that that happens a lot. It could be a neglectful, abusive, inconsistent childhood, but it also could be a lack of experience due to not being allowed to date, or maybe you were a late bloomer and you were just dating later in life. Maybe your caregivers were not consistently there for you in healthy ways, so you didn't learn to trust and be vulnerable in ways that allow you to fully connect, or maybe you did not learn how to implement and maintain healthy boundaries in those relationships. I mean, either way, here you are, right? And now you find yourself stuck in a cycle of unsuccessful dating and relationship experiences. So when you're having trouble finding that love connection that you really want, it's all too easy to become discouraged or, or you know, buy into the destructive myths that are out there about dating and relationships. And it just feeds on itself. And you have this 
really negative taste in your mouth and you get real, really burnt out. That's when people come to me and say, I'm so burnt out with dating, like I'm over it. But here's the good news. You need not let the past define your future. There are ways to overcome a broken picker and find a romantic partner you actually want to be with and stay with. It just takes a little bit of a different mindset, a different approach, and a perspective. And this is what I help people all the time with. I call it my MAP approach. So with me on the line today is a woman who is struggling with her picker, mostly online, um, but we'll hear more, and finding the right guys in general for her, where things are just not progressing, they're not sticking for whatever reason. I hope to help point her at least in the right direction of why this might be happening and what to do about it. Welcome, Ashley. Ashley, you there? Hi, yes. Hello. Good to hear you. Thanks for having me on. Oh my gosh. It's so good having you. I mean, I know I've kind of just known you. You've been in my Facebook group, but I don't really know you. And I love getting on calls like this um, just to kind of give you some pointers and tips um, just in real time. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love for you to share a little bit you know, more about you and what your dating experiences have been or the lack thereof. I mean, you told me a little bit, but I want to hear more. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, I was a late bloomer in life when it came to dating. Over the last couple of years, I was rocked with an injury and that was my priority. But now that I've healed to the point where I can start dating again, I'm finding it very challenging to find the quality men online. And with COVID times, it seems like the online dating world is pretty much the only option we have at the moment. Mm. And I've been on a few dates over the last year, and some might feel like they go really well, and then I just don't hear from them again. Or a few, we set up a date and then they cancel or they just don't show up to the date themselves. And I'm realizing Mm. that it might not be the guy, it might be me and who I'm picking. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, as you get older, all you hear is, well, maybe you shouldn't be so picky. Maybe you need to amend, like review your, your your list of items that you want your man to have. And I've never settled and I don't plan to, but I have noticed a pattern that whenever I'm looking through profiles and stuff, I'm like hemming and hawing, like, is that really important? Could I do without? So that's where I'm starting to struggle with how to identify when a man's actually emotionally available to go on a date versus just trying to pass their time. Oh gosh, this is so like common. I'm I'm really glad we're talking about this because I think even you're going to help a lot of people listening to this because it's a common thing that a lot of people are struggling with. And, and I always tell people right off, like it, it isn't all just you, right? But the, the problem is, is again, like all the things and the variables that are outside yourself, we can't control, but you can control the things that you're doing to possibly get a different result. So like we can get into that. Well, first of all, a couple of questions. So you said you had an injury. Well, what is that injury? If you don't mind sharing? Yes, I had a concussion four years ago mm-hmm. and now I live with post-concussion syndrome, which has a variety of triggers with me. But the most common is when I'm in a social setting, the noise from surrounding tables of conversation and the visual distraction of moving bodies or moving, like 
depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, it can cause me to get tired fairly quickly. So I have to be strategic with where I agree to go on a date and meet. And then if I do set it up properly, which most times it's in a park or in a quiet coffee shop where there's not too many people and things taking place I get tired as I'm trying to engage one-on-one with eye contact and recalling my words um I'm straight up and I'm up forward front about it Mm -hmm. um, when I first interact online and most say they understand or like it's not a problem but I sometimes wonder if it is turns into an issue for them once we meet in person and they just don't want to say or not. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that because it, you know, I just wondered also if it could be a very a variable. Um have you ever gotten feedback on like after dates or anything like that about how those things might show up for you? Or do you feel it when you're on a date? Like any of the sensory kind of stuff or maybe, you know, your energy level, that kind of thing? I can definitely feel it when it's starting and I'm able to control it for the most part. Um, I did have two gentlemen back earlier in the year provide feedback and they both said they didn't have any issues with it. They could just tell that I was getting exhausted fairly quickly mm-hmm. and that it just meant that the time, but like our time had to shorten considerably compared to what they were hoping for or wanting. Yeah. Okay. Now with that, um, and I know you don't have a lot of dating experience. And I'm going to ask you about that too. How are you with flirting? When I'm trying to flirt, I'm not really good, but when I'm not actually aware that I'm flirting, I'm pretty good. So I'm not great Uh, in the moment, I don't believe. Okay. Okay. Because, and this is a little tricky, right? Because, you know, on some level, when I hear you have some issues around, you know, eye contact and your energy might be low, well, part of flirting is having a bubbly high energy about you and also making eye contact. So, but, you Mm -hmm. know, so so I wonder also like in your body language, just kind of that, you know, sexy confidence that you bring with it. I'm just wondering because you have these things that you know you have to regulate for yourself. If you're doing a lot of thinking and there's a lot of like focusing that you're trying to to, you know, stay with where then kind of the flirtation gets lost. I would have to say I think that's a very valid point. Because I'm trying to multitask and manage what I have going on while also trying to engage the other. Yeah. like And you can't do that. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it, it actually goes against everything that what flirting is supposed to be. It's, a, it's supposed to be about a letting go and not being worried about the outcome. And here you are going in worried about the outcome. And understandably so, too, because you have this condition. So there's this, you know, worry that you have around, you know, what the date is going to be like because of this condition. But then on top of it, how, how comfortable are you even with flirting altogether? So even before the concussion happened, like, were you flirting before? No, I have, <laughs> like, I've never, <laughs> I've never been great at flirting, but I never have my comp- the confidence there. I took quite a few years focused on my career and being so focused on my profession and building it that I never really put much effort or care into learning or trying. 
Um, mm. And it's not until now that I have this time that I've grown my confidence and I've kind of grown into who I am and accepting of who I am, but I'm still struggling with the how do you flirt? I've never been the type of girl that likes to play with my hair and randomly giggle and laugh and be bubbly. <laughs> and so I feel like that is like the typical key flirting style that every woman's supposed to do, but it feels very unnatural. So then if I do try that, I feel like it comes off as being forced, which it is. Mm. So I'm sure I could use some help with flirting technique. Yeah. A question for you. Like, where did you get that association that you have to be like the hair twirler and and giggly (laughs) girl? Like, just where's that coming from? I'm just wondering. I feel like it's just from every movie you see. And when you're sitting in the bar having a drink after like your ball game and you see the girls who show up dressed up, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I assume that that's what we're all supposed to do. And let's say that that was a definition where it was about just like kind of being giggly and goofy and silly and that kind of thing. What What's hard about that for you? It feels fake. And I'm not a fake person. I'm emotional. I wear my emotions on my sleeve and I feel like I'm very authentic and genuine and it just feels awkward. So... Being fun and flirty and goofy feels unauthentic. Correct. Do you know where this comes from? Like, tell me more about like your upbringing. Were you in a very like serious household or? To an extent, yes. Our household, only because of my siblings. Like, I feel Mm. like growing up, it was fun, but I was bullied in elementary school. Um, And then having five siblings you're used to just getting picked on with each other because that's how you engage with your siblings, right? Like you tease and you make fun of and you just poke. And I feel like I've never felt comfortable enough or confident enough to just be goofy and silly. And I feel like a lot of that is tied back to the elementary school days when you're being teased. Mm. Yeah. And like, do you have memories of trying to be playful and goofy and then that being like criticized or made fun of somehow very much so and when you asked a boy out they would laugh and say no so it almost sounds like being fun and playful equals rejection yes it's so interesting right like just like how we can get these imprints on us that it's sometimes you don't even realize they exist and they're still among us And how powerful it can be, like, just kind of that, what you just said, I think there's some sort of tie-in here. And it's almost like learning and understanding how you can be this beautiful, authentic, emotionally intelligent, um, high IQ, high achieving woman, and be goofy and silly and bubbly. It's not an either or. How do you do that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, look, yeah. And and see, even just you laughing right now is lovely. Like even just the the little laughter that you have, because you do have um, a very serious tone to you. Um, even in your delivery, I will say that. And and again, I, I I've never seen you. I haven't ever met you before. We had like 
a five minute conversation before, but right. my first impression is that, yeah, you, you take everything very serious. I and do. Yes. And, and it seemed like that also ended up serving you when you were young, you know, because if you got made fun of for being goofy and playful, it sounds like you went the other direction says, well, I'm just going to like kind of pull in, quiet my voice and be the smart, safe one. That's about right. And so you've carried that role now, I think for a while. And now it's like kind of leaking into your, your dating life. And, and tell me a little bit more, like, you know, what, um, delayed just you dating? Was it, did it start with the bullying? And then you just kind of like decided, well, you know what, I'm just going to focus on studies because that, you know, you can succeed in. Uh, the delay in dating, I think came started in elementary school from when you would playfully ask a boy out and they would say no, or they would laugh and make fun of you in the schoolyard in front of everyone else. Mm. And then through high school, I later found out the reason we were never asked out on dates or invited to was that unfortunately we had a very protective father who was a police officer in the same town. So that also helped hinder things. And then it just got to the point where I had my sports and my good friend group and I was happy being me. And then it became career driven focus. And I just was so by that point, I was so trained to be oblivious to men looking my way that I never truly noticed mm-hmm. between the relationships I've had. And then I basically chose to be single for the last almost nine years, which is crazy to think about. Just because I wanted to work on myself. I knew that I had a lot of my own emotional baggage and challenges and I kept choosing the same men Mm -hmm. and I was always wanting to fix them and relationships would end poorly. So I took that time to grow and kind of peel back all of my own layers and do all that self-work so that I'm actually truly ready And then the four years out of those nine, obviously, was my recovery where I could do much of anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, I feel like I'm spiritually and mentally and emotionally in the right place now where I know what I want. I'm clear on what I want, what I won't have. I feel more confident in my skin and who I am. And it's just in the matter of how to portray that on a date, but then also making sure I'm picking the right guy, not just because we matched online, but making sure I'm picking the right people and engage them in person. Yeah. Um, in your journey where you were like working on yourself and figuring things out, what were some of the things that you did figure out for yourself and what you are looking for, what you're wanting, like, what did you shift, you know, about yourself and what you're looking for? The biggest thing was that I realized it was my expectations I held on other people that were bringing me down and disappointing me, not them. They kept showing me who they were. I was just not seeing it. Mm. And it's when I realized that, and then I looked at my past relationships, I was like, yep, yep. Like, that's where the fixer piece came in. So now I know that I want a man who is confident enough to hold me accountable and challenge me, but then also confident enough to love me for who I am without judgment, Um, who also has the same spiritual growth and 
wanting to just personally grow as a person through life, not just stay content Mm -hmm. with the mundane day to day. I want someone who is driven professionally and independent because I believe that life is better when you don't do everything together. So like, I want him to have his friend groups and I have mine and I want him to have a couple of things that are his and I have a few things that are mine, but then we have a lot of things that we can share in common, whether it's cooking and our love for sports or outside and nature and hiking and stuff. Mm. But, but it really comes down to just being, if they have an ex and they have a child, making sure that that relationship is healthy and resolved because we're getting to that age where there is going to be other people. And I've seen from experience how negative relationships between two exes can carry over into your relationship. And that's something I definitely don't want. Whereas before I probably would have wanted to try to help fix their relationship instead of focusing on our relationship. Wow. Ashley, I'm just going to say like, wow, wow, wow. Like you, you have such a great list. Like it's very comprehensive. It's um, <laughs> very thought out. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that's also like doing you in, in those beginning stages, you know, cause well, here's the thing. Um, all of these qualities that you're looking for are amazing and, and something that you absolutely deserve. And here's the other thing that I heard is that there had been some times where you attracted the exact opposite. I mean, usually what's on our lists are things that we didn't get, Mm -hmm. you know, in previous relationships. So now moving forward, and this goes into like being a better picker and your vetting process, you're probably like checking off the list as you're vetting these people. Yes. And so I'm just wondering, like, what is your vetting process right now? So, so walk me through, like you're online, you know, you're looking for these guys, you're making a list, checking it twice, trying to find out who's naughty or nice, right? Like what, <laughs> what, what, what goes on? Tell walk me through it. So I look, so when I'm online, I'll look at their images first, and then I immediately go to see a few of their key traits to highlight. And if we have a couple of things in common, like a non-smoker is pretty key for me. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Whereas their religious belief, as long as they're not like even atheist, mm-hmm. I'm pretty open to what their spiritual belief is as long as, as long as they practice something. So I look to see what kind of common threads we have. And then I read their words and, Sometimes I'm guilty of it. If they're hot, I'll just swipe, even if they don't write anything. <laughs> yeah. I think we all do that. Or um, they might not be my, like, appealing visually, like, as in my original type initially. Mm-hmm. But as I read their words and I can get to know their mindset piece mm-hmm. through their paragraphs, I get intrigued that I want to learn more. But I'm looking for that, whether ideally no kids, no exes. Like, no, ex-wives is what I'm getting at. Um, And they don't smoke. And that they're willing to be outdoors and enjoy sports and move forward. But then I find myself, once we do connect and we're talking, I'm trying better to be more conversationalist. But over the past couple months, I noticed that I was very interview style. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, and I, I'm very good with just like moving on to points. And I'm not a very great small chat person, small talk. 
Mm-hmm. So I would just kind of like hammer the points just to find where they're at. And then when we do meet, um, I, I try not to be on interview mode during the date, but I also find myself knowing that my battery runs empty really quick. Mm-hmm. I want to get what I can out of it very quickly instead of just enjoying the time and not tackling the so-called agenda I made in my mind. Yeah, I think you're on to something for yourself. <laughs> I don't know if you're hearing yourself talk. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I was kind of guessing some of this was happening. And, and it, by the way, it's such a common thing when you're trying to get it right, you know, and you have, there's, there's a lot of layers here, you know, with, based on your history, based on like just, you know, your, the concussion and things you're trying to sort out with that. And also being kind of, you know, finally ready to launch after all this work on yourself that really like you took a long period of time, you know, Ashley, it all really started back when you were that little girl. And I think what happened over time after being bullied and, and more like pulling in and finding your confidence with what you could be successful at. And that was like your job, your academics, you know, like things that you had control over that that became your focus because we always want to focus on things that we feel confident. And of course, I mean, that feels good to us. What didn't get reinforced was feeling good with men and boys. It started on the playground. So, you know, you had that kind of uh, mantra, right, for yourself. But here's the thing is that you're going now at dating based on where your confidence is. And so you're, you're doing your checklist thing, you know, like that, that's where your confidence lives is to be serious to, you know, and you're, cause you want to get it right. You know, this time it's like, well, I don't want to waste time with these guys if they're going to be bad for me, but in efforts to not waste time, you're wasting time. Because you're not really being present. You're being more in your head and like you're saying, like the interview and and that kind of thing. It's, you know what it reminds me too is like, have you ever seen profiles of guys who say, and I don't want any like drama queens. And it's like, (laughs) just by saying that you don't want drama queens doesn't mean if I'm a drama queen, I'm not going to read it and say, oh, shoot, you know what? I'm not right for you because I'm a drama queen. Like, that, it doesn't work that way, you know? And so it's less about the facts of someone, and it's more about the feeling that you get with each other. And I think there's something that's missing with the feeling part and that that includes the flirtation and includes the playfulness because then on top of it you feel like the flirty bubbly thing is like a waste of time it's goofy it's inauthentic you know all those things so what i would recommend and this is what i do with a lot of my clients is to kind of let go of the list you are my quintessential list lady. If you ever take my archetype quiz, um, you might be another <laughs> another archetype too included. But but this is what I see in my list ladies. And for you listening, you can take my archetype quiz, um, and I'll, I'll include it in the show notes. But the thing that's that would be really powerful is for you to just learn how to flirt and have fun with everyone. And really being more present and focus on just having fun and the feeling versus the facts of people. 
And that is going to be a learning curve for you. Cause I know your next question is, well, how, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know how to flirt. I don't know how to do. So I just want to give you some tangible things, you know, because obviously like Rome was not built in, in a day, but the, the good news is, is that these are things that you can learn. It's not too late. It's just a language you never learned. Okay. You know, like you, you, you did the academic thing. You got that down. You just, you didn't, no one taught you the kind of emotional, flirty, bubbly stuff that allows you to be a little more present and be more in your body. And the, I think I want to give you first, like a little hack, maybe also around the concussion thing, because I think there is some energy that, that it, it is like kind of in your head before going in. Cause you are like trying to stay focused and worried about like how things are going to affect you. Do you, so you tell the guys before you meet up front that, that you have this, like the concussion thing. I do. Okay. Yeah. So that's fine. And then that's, I think good just to get off on the table. And, and I would, I'd be really like chill about it. You know, and we all have scarlet letters. We all have things. Um, and I don't, with this, with people who've had like major things happen or, you know, medical conditions and that kind of thing. But if you make it more light and kind of fun, it's like, look, you know, I had this concussion. Sometimes I might say things that are a little off. And if that's the case, you know, like, I hope you can laugh with me, (laughs) you know, like just make it kind of fun. And if you find me looking somewhere else, it's not because I don't want to look at you just so you know that, you know, and, and, you know, just little things like that, that will let him know that, that it might come out. If it happens, it happens. Who cares? Like laugh about it later. Like, you know, don't worry Mm -hmm. about getting it right. Don't worry about being perfect because in efforts of you being so serious and perfect, I think these guys are probably not feeling anything from you. Like it, it's just feeling stiff and serious. Well, you just made that sound very easy with the w- way you've said it. I love that. Good, good. Yeah, because I, I want it to feel easy for you. And, you know, maybe even before you go on a date, I would do things to just get you in more of your body and out of your head with it and being silly. Like, do you like music? I do. Yeah, like make a playlist that allows you to dance and, and be like, kind of have a, like a, a date type of playlist, a pre-date playlist that, that gets you moving, that gets you like, and, and just like look in the mirror and be goofy and just dance in the mirror, you know, just get, just get out of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I, you know, most guys will actually find that adorable if you if you say to them right from the get go, and as as you have a twinkle in your eye and a grin on your face, you know, if if I become somebody else during this date, just know it was not my fault. You know, like I mean, just make it funny. You know, and right. and or if I. I would even joke about it. Like if I somehow turn into this like vixen, like, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to blame it on the concussion here. You know, like there's a lot of funny things you could do with this. Quite honestly, it is not that serious because we're having a great chat right now. You're tracking fine. Like most likely it's going to be fine. 
And if it's right. not, then you guys can laugh about it later. Well, so, you just took the shame and judgment right out of that whole worry that I had. Because it isn't a big deal. It is a big deal. I think it's carrying a lot of weight on you. And you're worried about like how that might get perceived, what might happen. But the truth is, even before the concussion, you you always kind of had struggles around this and associations with this piece of you. I did. Yes. So now it's just a little amplified because of what happened. And quite honestly, I think it's just a crutch, you know, like it's easy to say, well, you know, it's the concussion or, well, it's this or that. I always say just, just own it, you know, and for you listening, whether your scarlet letter is, oh, well, I'm not dateable because I'm divorced or I'm not dateable because I have this mole on my forehead. I'm not dateable. Like we can go on and on with these like things that we have about ourselves. And sometimes you just got to lean into it rather than cover it up or try to make it go away or invisible to people. And because that's what makes us human. And, and people like people who are human. And I think these guys would feel something different from you. So that's the first thing is it's more like that mindset thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's more about like the preparation for when you go on a date. And then in terms of your vetting process and being a better picker, um, obviously like this is a deeper coaching issue, but you know, that would you would work on over time, but something that... I would recommend is I would do as much dating. I call like it data dating as you can without getting too attached of the details of the guys. You know, I mean, of course your non-negotiables are important. And and when I say non-negotiables, I mean, maybe like the smoking thing is a non-negotiable, you know, things that jump out at you that you're you're like, there's no way, you know, but if he Mm -hmm. looks like a nice guy, he has a a cool profile, you have enough in common, just say hi. And for God's sakes, don't vet these guys like they're your next boyfriend. You're not there yet. You're in kindergarten. You're just learning how to play in the playground, girl. Right. Like just stick out your tongue and chase the boys. Like you, you, you literally never did that because you were bullied. So this is your time to go back to the playground as a beautiful woman that you are now and see who can chase you and, and enjoy it. Learn how to enjoy this piece because you're not ready to, to, to pick the next boyfriend. And that's maddening. That's absolutely maddening. Trying to go through each profile and checking off your list and interviewing the guys. No wonder you're exhausted after the date. Mm -hmm. So go on all the dates. Just go on all the dates. And you know what? Go in saying, I'm going to have loads of fun. I don't care if these guys are stick in the muds or not my guys. I'm going to have fun with myself. I'm going to try some of these lines. I'm going to like... Just try giggling and laughing, telling stories, you know, stuff like that. You're not wasting time. This is actually, you're studying. Think of it as studying for your test. You're doing your homework. I like that idea. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. It makes sense. Yeah, like you're trying to take the final and you're like, you haven't even studied. Give yourself a break, you know, like give yourself time to really enjoy this. It just sounds like you've been in such a serious mode for like really your whole life. And then you did all this deep work and look, I'm a therapist. I am all for deep work, but at what point 
do you just like do, <laughs> you know, like you, you, you've got everything and all your knowledge is in your head. It's, it's time to, to actually just, just be and go and do and have fun. And I would also encourage you to take an improv class. Oh God. Oh, I knew you would react that way. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. And the fact that that scares you means that's probably something like on the top of your list should do because no one changes with being comfortable. Like you, you got to just get used to being uncomfortable in these things. Cause I think this is what's holding you back. Right. Well, it makes total sense, but oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love improv. I mean, um, I, I talk about it quite a bit in my podcast and my clients know this. It's just that it helps you get out of your head. It, it helps you play. I think you need to put yourself in, in situations where you finally can be validated for playing and not bullied or made fun of. Like just say, oh, wait, it's okay to be like goofy and playful. Wow. Like nothing happened. In fact, people laughed. I had fun. And, and whether that's improv or whether that's playing on a playground with a bunch of kids and getting down in the ground and getting dirty with them, like, I just think you need to experience a little more play in your life. Mm-hmm. I like the idea. It's exciting to think. It's scary. Yeah. I like the idea of it. Yeah. Good. Okay. So here's your homework. Just as a, to wrap up, you're you're gonna you know stop vetting these guys like each and every one is like your potential boyfriend. You're gonna be a little more open and just start dating up a storm. And whether that's increasing the amount of apps you're on, going out and doing more social activities, and doing things just to get you used to like talking to guys. I would practice talking to men in the grocery store. You know, again, not with the intention of them being your boyfriend, but just like practice having fun. And being more smiley and giggly uh, before going on a date, do a little date prep with some music, dance around, get out of your head, go in with the intention of just having fun, even if it's for yourself. And then go do some fun things like improv, go on the playground, even just like watching funny movies, like anything that can like help you get in that like mindset. It's a good task list. Good. It's a fun list. It's a good, list. <laughs> good, good. How do you feel? I feel excited. Oh. And I'm looking forward to this challenge and giving it a try because knowing that I need to laugh and have fun more and yeah. making it that validating that it's okay is taking that control back that I didn't realize I was missing until today. Exactly. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to get a little psycho babbleish right now as we wrap up is that that word control kept coming to me too for you is that I think you've been so controlled your whole life. Um, I think it started with dad because, you know, with that kind of profession, there's some control around that. Right. Um, and then you learn to try to control some aspects for yourself because you didn't like, you know, being controlled or, or being made fun of that kind of thing. But right now you get to explore the opportunity of what it's like to let go. And I think when you do that, you'll allow more people into your life 
who will be more your partner and all those things that you're hoping for, you know, the one who's driven, the one who's independent, the one who's confident, who has his own life, but then you have your life together too. Like all that list you rattled off. But if you want to flip the script of your story, you got to go back to the beginning where everything is starting. And I think starting with a little levity, light and fun, you're going to create a different pattern for yourself. It's amazing. Hmm. Thank you. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. I adore you, Ashley, and I'm excited for you. And I definitely want to hear from you, you know, how this works. So I'll be on you to see if you're doing your homework. I will. <laughs> I'm going to do it and I'll listen. And I'm looking forward to giving you an update. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and thanks for joining me today. You listening, this has been the Charisma Quotient and I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And when listening to this, you realize you would like some help vetting the right guy or gal for you. Hop on a free call with me personally by clicking on the link you see in the show notes to book it to help you map out a plan and developing the right picker. (laughs) And until then, remember, working on you is working on your love life in action. That's all for now. 